Hello, and welcome to the What Moves Us podcast. I'm Natalie Reyna, a dancer and mover with a master's degree in clinical psychology. Join me as I talk with ordinary people finding extraordinary healing through different types of movement. My mission is to spread the message that tuning into our body is not only accessible, but key to our mental health and healing journeys. Welcome, everybody, to the last episode of What Moves Us, um, the last episode for season one, I should say, um, because I'm definitely coming back with a season two. Uh, this whole experience has been super awesome. I've learned so much about my guests, about myself, about making a podcast. It's been really awesome, and I have loved the whole process. So today's episode is just me. I'm not interviewing anybody, and I'm just going to be talking about some themes and commonalities that I saw amongst the guests that I got to interview um, over the last 10 weeks, uh, which is wild. I can't believe that already this season is, is coming to a close. So before I move forward, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge how amazing and incredible it is that nine people came on and shared their mental health and healing journeys. Each guest's openness and vulnerability was super inspiring and definitely encouraging to me in different ways. I feel like I took something from each person that I spoke to. And so I hope if you got to listen to all of them, if you even got to listen to one of them, that you took something from it, because I know I did. I have a couple gems up in my head now that I'm super excited about and um, definitely gave me some perspective and, and ways that I want to live my life. Though each person came with their own unique struggles and backgrounds and experiences, um, it was pretty amazing how many similarities there were across um, the healing journeys. You know, everybody comes from different backgrounds. Everybody has these different experiences and perspectives, but still the journey to coming back to yourself, to coming home to yourself, as Natalie said, and I'll refer to that, you know, multiple times throughout this episode, was was there were a lot of through lines in each of the guests. So I'm just going to walk through a couple of those. I'm going to start with some background about why movement is um, is helpful and beneficial. Yeah, uh, we'll just we'll just go for it. So um, also, this goes beyond me and my guests. Um, this podcast is is more than that. It's, it's a chance to destigmatize talking about mental health um, and to remind people that healing is accessible and it's not just reserved for people who can afford therapy. A lot of the guests who came on found healing in their own way and it wasn't necessarily through a you know a paid service a lot of folks ended up coming to their own healing paths through finding movement through finding something that brought them joy and presence and um, excitement for life so I just want to start off by saying that like that's my whole thing with this is that healing is accessible we we have it we have the tools within us um, and I'm going to talk more about that too as we go throughout this episode but um, we can learn a lot by connecting to something that's bigger than ourselves whether it's a movement practice a community if it's spirituality um, and and these are all themes that my guests throughout the season kind of talked about so um, I'm going to be talking about these concepts and these things in a very broad stroke, and by no means does it cover, uh, 
each of my guests, you know, like I said, everybody has their own unique experience and perspective, but there were similarities in some of that, in some of the episodes that I want to point at and think about and talk about, um, and hopefully inspire you to think about and talk about if you want to talk with me about it. So, um, just a little bit of background when it comes to the benefits of movement on mental health, there were like like an immeasurable amount of studies that point to the benefits of physical activity on mental health, um, like super overwhelming. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like how do I even parse all this down? But what I took away that I thought was super interesting is just super at a most basic level, when we flex our muscles, our muscles secrete a protein into our bloodstream that makes us more resilient to depression and trauma. So basically we have these like, this antidepressant that is created in our body whenever we flex our muscles, it's released. Um, and some of the scientists call it the hope molecule. So I think that's really cool that we can walk around and just by moving our bodies, just by wiggling a little bit, just by like picking up your arm, you're releasing this chemical that is an antidepressant. That's amazing. So whether it's walking, dancing, working out, cooking, um, gardening, just getting up is a huge preventative factor against depression. And so in the first episode, Gio talks about, you know, getting up and doing five push-ups or doing some squats whenever he feels down or when he feels like he's in a rut. Mo explains in her episode how being able to turn to movement when she's, you know, sad or processing tough emotions has helped her to get herself out of the fun set she might be in. And she she talks about how her mom can notice whenever she's in a rut because she won't get out of bed. And so her mom trying to help her get out of bed is like um, helping her to get back into the body and it releases those amazing hope molecules. So um, they both inherently learned by tuning into their bodies that movement was key in helping them get through, you know, their ruts, their um, their tough times in their lives. So that's uh, that's just the baseline that I want to start. And I think for a lot of the guests who came on, that was a similar thing. You and I, I can speak for myself too. Whenever I am feeling sad or upset, like I get up and I move around and I feel way better. So um, yeah, and. So I, I just think it's amazing that there's studies that back that up, that it's like, wow, we're really, we have that within us. We have the hope molecules. Um, but for, for us to even be able to know what we're supposed to do, we have to be able to identify the emotions, right? So, which can be hard when you are in a stressed out state, when you're in a traumatized state, there's this idea of fight or flight. And when you're in fight or flight or freeze, we're unable to identify emotions. It's hard. It becomes harder for us to identify what's going on with us. And there, again, are multiple studies that um, show that higher levels of stress lead to more difficulty identifying emotions, um, which I think is super interesting. Um, both Joey and Nikki in their episodes explained that they you know, we're just kind of going through the motions of life and coping and dealing with things that they didn't even realize that they had. Um, and both of them pointed to anger and they realized they, they weren't able to realize in the moment because they had a lot of stresses. They had a lot of traumas that they were dealing with. 
it wasn't until they were able to slow down and tune into what was actually happening in their bodies that they realized that they had all this anger. That anger kept them on a path of kind of self-destruction in, in different ways. And it wasn't until they were able to identify that the anger was what was leading them that um, that they were able to resolve and kind of come into the fuller versions of themselves. Additionally, when if, if it's hard for you to identify emotions in yourself, it becomes difficult to identify emotions in other people, which can lead to feelings of kind of disconnection, isolation, um, and that can induce you know feelings of loneliness, sadness, anxiety, depression. So being able to identify what we are feeling is a huge catalyst in being able to get the help we need. If we want, if we have a, a happy emotion and we want to keep that going, we want to be able to tell that it's a happy emotion. If we're having a sad emotion, we want to be able to get the help that we need. If we, But if we can't identify what it feels like to be happy, what it feels like to be sad, what it feels like to be angry, it's hard to know what to do in those moments. Um, so just being able to tune into our bodies is really key in that. And I'll talk more about that later. Another study also explains that working out can be beneficial because when we start our workout, our body actually releases cortisol, which is a stress hormone um, in a more manageable amount that allows us to kind of practice regulating our body in this safe environment. So Basically, you can think about working out as a dress rehearsal for like a main show when you might face more a more stressful situation in your actual day-to-day -day life. So when we work out, we have that cortisol spike, our body learns how to regulate it and bring it back down. And so later when you experience a cortisol um, spike when you're at work or when you're, you know, when you're with your kids, that your body knows how to regulate itself because it's had the practice already um, through a workout. And like, how amazing is that? Like our bodies know how to like tune in and regulate themselves if we um, tune in and allow them to practice. So moving our bodies allows us to learn how to self-soothe um, and practice regulating that stress. When that stress gets released, we go out of, you know, the kind of fight or flight or freeze action and come back into this more regulated state which allows us to tap into um, our more reflective self, our more authentic self, our more connected self, um, rest and digest, as they say. <laughs> so when you are in that kind of more regulated space, you're able to learn more information, you're able to connect to people, you're able to identify emotions easier. Um, and so Joey explains in his episode that through dance, he was able to express himself and release that anger. Um, in a productive way, which helped him to regulate and brought him down to this place where he could recognize that he wasn't being, you know, the person that he wanted to be. And now he is working towards this really amazing path of helping other people through dance um, come home to themselves again, as Natalie said, because I just love that phrase. That's one of the gems that I really took away from um, this episode. Um, Additionally, Zach in his episode also explains um, that he found of a lot of ability to express himself through his dancing and now is constantly pushing to bring that self into his practice as a psychiatrist. 
And he explained that it was extremely challenging in the beginning because um, he had people around him that were not supporting that vision, that weren't supporting that mission. And it wasn't until he sought out a group of like-minded individuals that supported his voice and views that he was able to, um, to feel comfortable expressing himself in the way that he needed to. And that feels like his most, uh, his most authentic self. Um, and that points, points to the importance of finding a community that sees you and accepts you as you are, which is something really that a lot of the guests talked about in each of their episodes. And there was a study that talked about young people over the COVID pandemic ended up losing out on a lot of those kind of social like uh, connections and cues that come from um, a group sport, you know, so a group sport such as volleyball or dance or um you know, I'm trying to think whatever sport comes to mind, but it wasn't about the sport itself. It was about the social interaction and the social connection that comes from that um, and from finding a community that is supportive of you and your fullest self. So, like I said, there was a common thread among many of the individuals who, who I interviewed um, that explained that they were afraid to show their truest selves not only in their day-to-day -day lives, but even on social media. Um, people had anxiety about posting, you know, their um, their dance videos, their workout videos, their everything. Um, and so it wasn't until they found a community within, within their movement form that they felt comfortable to express themselves fully. So for example, Sandeep talks about, uh, talks in great detail about moving to California and finding an amazing community to take him under his wing and show him, you know, calisthenics and show him comedy and show him yoga and meditation. And he got to expand himself in a way that he didn't even know that he wanted to. Similarly, Natalie describes moving closer to herself in a way that she'd never thought possible because she always told herself that she couldn't dance. But it wasn't until she was with the the support of the loving and the loving, caring, you know, super um, encouraging ecstatic dance community that she was able to come to terms with the fact that she's like a huge dancer and loves to move her body. So when we're around a supportive and caring community, we're allowed the space to expand and change who we think we are. Um, and this is amazing. And this is a, a an idea called neuroplasticity. So everyone says you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but it's simply not true. If you have a brain, you can change it. <laughs> you can change your pathways. Um, and that is that process of neuroplasticity, which is basically just the brain's idea, the, the brain's ability to change based on new experiences and ideas. So if you are in a safe and loving environment, or if you um, are with people that encourage you to try something new, you can unlock different pathways that weren't even a possibility before you were in that same place. So we can literally change the wiring of our brains and find versions of ourselves that feel more like home to us, um, which is so incredible. And I just uh, obviously am very passionate about that, like through movement, because that's how I've found it. Um, so at the same time, while this podcast is about movement, um, many of the, the guests this season spoke about a meditative or mindful state, which of course can be achieved in movement. Um, but as a practice in itself, meditation spans so far back in time, um, many Eastern practices and ways of thinking, um, in addition to countless studies have emphasized like what Buddhists have been practicing for centuries, right? Like mindfulness helps us connect to our internal states, um, and it, which in turn aids informs our 
our perception of reality, um, which helps us decide how we want to be and how we want to act in a moment. Mindfulness gives us a pause and allows us to observe what is happening in the present moment um, and what's arising in our bodies. And in episode five, Manuel talks about um, the meditative state of waiting for a wave in the water while he's surfing. And he describes tracking his experience and not thinking about anything but his body in the water. So it's a chance to kind of observe yourself <laughs> being yourself. Um, so taking kind of a step back and noticing like, what does my body feel like? Am I feeling tension anywhere? Is it cold? Does it have a color? Does it have a shape? And noticing thoughts that arise. Maybe you keep noticing that there's a certain thought loop that comes up or that there that um, you can't stop thinking about a certain you know person or thing or whatever. Um, it's just taking a step back and being able to notice what is happening in your body and in your brain. And so through movement, a lot of people find that um, that there is that kind of meditative quality to it where you can take a step back and notice what's going on. Um, and a lot of the guests too, when I asked in the beginning, you know, if you have a practice that you like to do to kind of center or calm yourself, everybody, a lot of people said, take a deep breath, notice what's happening, tune into some music and see where I'm feeling it in my body. So meditation is a huge component and piece in like the mental health and movement sphere as well. A little bit of a tangent, uh, Manuel also talks about finding a flow state while he's cooking. And so flow states are similar to mindfulness in that they indicate presence. However, unlike mindfulness, um, during the flow state, the inner observer, the one that's looking at, at your thoughts and your feelings and experience um, goes away. And we actually become fully present in the moment with what whatever we're doing. So when we engage with an activity at a higher level, we can reach this flow state, um, which basically can lead to a higher life satisfaction, more positive self, self-talk, kind of a, a, a greater sense of purpose because we're connecting to something that we feel super present in and we're not thinking about, you know, oh my gosh, why don't I have this house or why did this person unfollow me or whatever. It's like all that stuff kind of goes away and you're super engaged and super present with what you're doing in that moment. And so when you have a movement practice that you do and that you know really well and you get to practice it often, this flow state becomes easier to attain. And like I said, in that flow state, when you're in that more, you just have higher life satisfaction and more positive self-talk and, and your view of, of life becomes more positive. So though this flow state is often associated with athletes or artists, it can be achieved in many ways. Like I said, Manuel, it was with his cooking. Um, you know, sometimes when people are drawing or creating music, um, it just, it doesn't necessarily have to be movement, but movement is one of the ways of many that you can achieve that flow state. When we connect to ourselves in such a power, powerful way, we can connect to life itself, which can inspire awe and lead to a feeling of connection to something greater in general. And, you know, sometimes people have a name for it. Sometimes people call it God. Sometimes people call it source or universe. Um, but there is something spiritual about embodiment and movement. Mo describes feeling extreme gratitude to God. Natalie describes feeling connected to the universe. Myself, before, uh, whenever I was with my dance I've been on multiple dance teams and every dance team that I've been on always says a prayer before we go on stage. So there's something spiritual. There's something connecting to something bigger 
Yeah, so a few of the studies that I explored explained that people with a healthy spiritual practice can feel a sense of purpose, peace, um, self-forgiveness, and self-acceptance in life that they might not otherwise feel. Um, and so when we allow ourselves to feel part of something greater, we can take away some of the existential pain of being alive because we all know, well, maybe we don't all know, but I know that um, existential pain can be hard to deal with you know it's like hard to be a human it's hard to be alive so if you can help yourself feel more connected to yourself to your environment to something that's greater than you um it just kind of takes away that the uncertainty and the um questioning of our purpose here so because this is our purpose i'm i'm here to be connected to myself and to my environment and to whatever is you know guiding me whether that's your intuition whether that's god whether that's the trees, whatever. <laughs> In the same vein, right, like connecting to yourself, your environment, your spiritual practice, whatever. When we do all that, we have the space to show up for people and causes that are bigger than ourselves. And I noticed that um, with some of the interviewees who came on, um, people who were very connected to themselves are not just thinking about them, themselves. They're thinking about the world around them. You know, we can advocate for those positive changes in our families and our communities when we can sit back and reflect on what was great about our life, what was hard about our life, what we would do different, how we would change it. Um, and that your, uh, our healing becomes the biggest asset to our advocacy. So for example, Yemi Stardust in her episode talks about the lessons that she took away from her upbringing and how she implemented different lessons with her children. And that she's called a hippie mama because she really talks about feelings and she has you know, a bank account for future therapy in case they need it. Um, additionally, she took her love for pole, learned its roots and advocates for the, the sex workers in her community um, in a way that you know, she's not just showing up for herself anymore. She's showing up for different people in her community. And like, how powerful is that? And how empowering to know that your voice can lend itself to something that's bigger than you and greater than you, uh, because you know yourself and because you understand where you came from and your roots, whether that's, yeah, personally, professionally, you know, in your community. Nikki talks about his passion for making uh, calisthenics information accessible. He, you know, he... His story is incredible. And if you haven't listened to the episode, I highly encourage it. But all the episodes, everybody's stories, um, everybody understands their roots so deeply. And Nikki now understands like he's on a mission to help young people across the world because he knows where he came from. And now he understands a little bit better where he is and where he wants to go. And so he's showing up globally for people in the same way that Zach is, in the same way that Gio is, in the same way, you know, each of these um, guests have all shown up for their communities in really amazing and incredible ways um, because they've taken the time, they've had the time, they've had the ability to reflect and think about how they want to be in the world and, and to heal, you know, to heal from the traumas, to heal from the um, difficulties and the stresses of the day-to-day -day lives. And yeah, so to wrap it all up, basically, I want to reiterate that healing is so accessible. And um, many of the guests who joined us this season are so 
self-aware and they didn't go to therapy. They did it through movement. They did it through reflection. They did it through um, having loving communities around them that support them as they are and who they are and showing up um, exactly how they are. So there's so many options that don't require anything more than yourself. Um, you know, start, you could start running, you could start dancing, swimming, um, even just walking, even just lifting your arm up and down. If you're laying in your bed, um, starting with something like that, starting with the breath, you know, because I also want to acknowledge that movement isn't possible for everybody all the time. Um, whether because, you know, someone is differently abled or they're, they're elder, um, but embodiment is always possible. And thus the connection to yourself is always possible. Um, as long as you can breathe, you can connect to some form of movement, even if it's just through your lungs, even if it's just feeling them expand and contract. Embodiment and connection to yourself is possible. So that's all to say that we possess the tools that we need to heal ourselves if we can take the time to tune into our bodies, even if it's just for a minute a day, even if it's on your commute to work, even you know if, if it's the 30 seconds that you're on the toilet in the bathroom and you need to take a deep breath, you have that accessible to you. You can take a deep breath and connect to yourself wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And so when we, when we can take that time and be intentional with connecting to ourselves, we can heal and we can connect not only to ourselves, but to those around us, to something bigger than ourselves and create a world that's more aware and connected and in tune, which, you know, just seeing and talking with all the guests and what they're doing and what they're working on is amazing. And that's what we need more of in the world. <laughs> to get on my little soapbox and now I'll get back off um, because my final, final takeaway is gratitude always. And so um, to all the guests who came on for the first season, Gio, Joey, Sandeep, Mo, Manuel, Zach, Nikki, Natalie, Yummy, like thank you all so much for being so brave to share your stories, to come on and talk about your healing journeys, your processes, your, your perceptions and you know, everything. It was an honor to get to hear the stories. Um, to my brother, I really want to give you a big shout out because he listened to every episode and gave me feedback and encouragement every week. And I just love you and I appreciate you. And I'm so proud of you and everything that you're doing too. Um, to all the homies that supported, anybody who sent me messages and feedback um, that encouraged me to keep, you know, keep keep on keeping on um to name a few cat of course i mean this wouldn't have even happened if i didn't have you and then yeah um bruno naum all the folks like i said if you sent me a message uh i'm super grateful for you and for your support and so um yeah i'm really excited for season two i can't wait to expand this community and i am really looking forward to hearing more stories and more um yeah more life lessons and healing journeys and um yeah be on the lookout because I will be offering classes and workshops and I hope to you know make this a whole community that people can come together and be themselves and heal and have fun and laugh and change the world so um yeah be sure to follow um, What Moves Us and Reina Movement, and I'm going to tag those below um, I'm also going to list some of the studies in the um in the captions and yeah to everybody again thank you so much and I cannot wait for season two so uh 
yeah, may you go into the world and find some movement, find some peace, and get some healing on. Yay! Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the What Moves Us podcast. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe for more, and check out my website at reinamovement.com, R-E-I-N-A movement.com. Thank you.